0: 1 Peter chapter 2, we're looking at this letter in the New Testament, a letter from one of Jesus' disciples to some of the earliest Christian communities spread throughout what is modern-day Turkey, people who are experiencing the pressure of a culture that doesn't like their faith, doesn't like their identity with Jesus, and Peter is helping them, and and even more, he's helping us know how to deal with that. So we are in 1 Peter chapter 2, And I'm going to begin reading in verse 11. We read 11 and 12 last week. I'm going to read them again. It's kind of a hinge point in the letter. And then we'll read all the way to the end of the chapter. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. This is the word of the Lord. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which, which wage war against your soul. an overseer of your souls. Let's pray. Father, this morning, would you help us to hear the voice of our shepherd? Would you help us as we hear the voice of our shepherd in these words, as they are words that are difficult, words that invite us into a life we wouldn't choose for ourselves? Would you help us to hear the voice of our shepherd with humility, with openness, open to being challenged, to being confronted, Opening, open to even being comforted and cared for. Would you by your spirit give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts that are soft to receive the seed of your word so that it may produce fruit that reflects your beauty. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. This is the time of year when we feel the distance between goal and method. Okay? So at the beginning of January, losing weight, getting healthy, that sounded really good. That was a great goal. Now, the method of exercising daily, of choosing not to eat the triple bacon cheeseburger, <laughs> that doesn't feel as good. That's not as fun. The, the goal of being more financially responsible, of saving money and paying off debts, that sounded really good. The, the method of putting the shoes or the piece of technology back on the shelf, doesn't feel as good, right? doesn't sound as good. Well, that distance and that tension, if I'm honest, I feel that when I read the words that we just read. Because throughout January, we have heard Peter talk to us about our exalted identity in Jesus. That we are a people belonging to God, chosen, holy, precious, treasured. And he has said to us that identity, it has a goal, it has a purpose. It is so that you can live displaying the beauty and the goodness of God to a watching world. So that you can proclaim his excellencies. So that you can live in such a way that even those who reject your faith in the end will have to acknowledge God's goodness, his greatness, and his glory. That all sounds really good. But now, now we have to talk about method. Now we have to talk about how do you live in that way that glorifies God. And when Peter starts to talk about method, he uses words like subjection, suffering, submission that doesn't sound as good to me. And and even though it brings me no pleasure to say it, this method of submission, this message that a life that is glorifying to God is a submissive life, that message is not only here in Peter, it is a consistent message throughout the New Testament. It is what God tells His people about how they are to live in a way that brings glory to Him, a submissive life. So, we need to talk about this method. We need to talk about this message of submission, acknowledging all of the tension, acknowledging all the questions that that raises. Let's come to this text and consider this message about submission. We're going to consider it in two parts. The meaning of submission... And the possibility of submission. What, what is this message and how are we able to live in response to it? First of all, the meaning of submission. I think it is very significant that in verses 13 and 18, Peter does not say to us, be absolutely and completely obedient. Right? He knows and he's already said, our highest loyalty is given to Jesus. And sometimes, loyalty to Jesus comes into conflict with human authorities, and when it does, we always side with Jesus. And so Peter doesn't say, be obedient. He says, be subject. And that word carries with it the idea of fitting into a system. It is not so much the opposite of rebellion as it is the opposite of withdrawal. He says there is an order to your society. There is an order to every human culture. Participate in that order in a way that is recognizably good. There are cultural expectations about how an employee should relate to an employer. A student should relate to a teacher. A citizen should relate to the government. And Peter says as much as possible as a Christian, meet and exceed those expectations. So notice how in many ways, this is a call beyond obedience. He says to us, how do you live this way? What does submission mean? It means giving honor. Not just begrudging obedience, but honor and respect. Live in a way that gives dignity to the people around you, including those who have authority over you. Give honor to everyone even the emperor. And remember, when Peter says the emperor, this is the individual possibly, and this is at least the office that ends up ordering his execution. Live in a way that brings dignity to those around you, including those who have authority over you. And here's the really hard part. That's hard enough, but here's the really hard part. Peter says you are to do that, you are to continue to do that, even When they don't deserve it. Even when those who have authority over you don't dignify you, you are to treat them with dignity. Even when you are punished for doing right, you are to give respect. Even when you are treated unfairly and unjustly, you are to give honor. Why? Why, should, why? why would He tell us to do that? Verse 21. Because when we live like that, that is when we most look like Jesus. When we live like that, that is when we most look like Jesus. The One who when He was accused did not accuse in return. The One who when He was attacked did not attack in return. Jesus is for us the pattern of the submissive life. He is an example. And that word for example in verse 21, it's the word for letters that school children would trace when they were learning how to write. Jesus has given letters, us letters to trace. He has given us a path to walk. He has given us a shape for our lives, and the shape of our lives is the cross. The submissive life isn't just a set of instructions. That that message about submission is not just a set of instructions. It is a person to imitate, a person to follow. The one who became a servant is the one who teaches us how to be a servant how to live giving dignity to people who don't return the favor, or worse. This is how I imagine this message. It it is as if we have auditioned for a play, and life gives us a cast list with different roles assigned to us. The role of student, the role of employee, the role of employer, of father, of son, or daughter, brother, sister, and so on and so on. And and many of these roles we wouldn't choose for ourselves. Many of these roles put us under human authority. Some of these roles bring undeserved pain into our lives. And Peter says, Play your part. Play your part well. Play it with devotion. Play it with passion. Play your part in a way that brings benefit to those around you, even when they can't return that benefit. Play your part, every part, as if it was the role of a servant. Because, In the end, this isn't the theater of human culture. This isn't just the theater of human society. In the end, you participate in the drama of God saving the world through his son who became a servant. Through his son who gave, even when he was given, pain. Now, we need to play a little game, and it's the game of what this doesn't mean, okay? This doesn't mean that you have to passively stay in a situation of abuse or oppression. I know people who have used this text that way to say to themselves, I have to stay in this abusive relationship or this abusive situation because this is what Peter tells me to do. No, 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 that is not the point. And maybe your response is, well, wait a second, Jonathan. Uh, Peter, he talks to slaves who are being beaten. What do you mean he doesn't say stay in an oppressive situation? Well, remember this cultural context. Remember that these people who he talks to as slaves, by the way, it's significant that he addresses them at all, that he treats them as human, was radically countercultural. But remember, these slaves, they didn't have an option. Okay, they, they couldn't quit their job and go somewhere else. Everything about the system and the laws supported that institution of slavery, and Peter is not saying the institution is right. He's just saying it's real. And he wants to help these people live in their reality. So, if you find yourself in an abusive, an oppressive situation, and you have avenues to change that situation, you are free to take them. You are free to take another job. You are free as a citizen of this country. You have the freedom to challenge injustice in our political system. You are free to do that. If at school or in your company there are avenues to challenge unethical or unjust leadership, take those avenues. You are free to take those. Peter is not saying you have to stay, you have to remain in an unjust situation. He is saying while you are there, While that situation is unchanged, live in this way. While the situation remains unchanged, as difficult as it is, continue to honor, to respect, to treat people with dignity, even when they don't deserve it, and even when they treat you unfairly and unjustly. So if you are in that difficult job situation, yes, if you have the option to take another job, yes, you can take it. But while you are there, what this means is that you don't participate in the toxic culture of gossip that is so much a part of so many work environments. It means even if your boss is Satan incarnate, you continue to do good work You continue to do the best work possible. You continue to work for the benefit of those around you. Because when you do, you look like Jesus. When you live submissively in that way, you show how good how beautiful God is because you look like His Son. Now, still, that is a really difficult message that is hard to hear, and it is even harder to live. So how do we do it? How do we live this message? Secondly, the possibility of submission. How is this method even possible for us? Well, submission is possible only, only with surrender. Submission is possible only with surrender. Not surrender to culture, not surrender to human institutions, not surrender to your company or to your teacher let surrender to God. Do you see how he weaves throughout this passage all of these phrases that connect what he is teaching, the instructions that he is giving to God? He talks about the will of God. He talks about doing it for the Lord's sake. He talks about what is gracious in the sight of God. He talks about Jesus entrusting himself to the one who judges justly. You see, if our lives are going to begin to take the shape of the cross, then we have to embrace the surrender that is at the heart of the cross. You remember the scene of Jesus' crucifixion? If you are doing community Bible reading, we read about this in the Gospel of Luke this week. The scene of Jesus being crucified, hanging on the cross, dying. And what does he say? Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. I commit my life surrender jesus submitted to an unjust death because he had surrendered to his father the one whose love could overcome death the one whose love would establish perfect justice and peter is inviting us to that He is inviting us not to a submission that is begrudging, not to a submission that is duty-driven. He is inviting us to a submission that flows from an even deeper surrender to God. And why would we do that? I mean, that puts us in an even more vulnerable position. That is a risky thing to do because it means the loss of control which we all desperately crave. Why would we surrender in a way that produces submission? Well, because Jesus suffered not only as an example, but as a substitute. Jesus suffered not only as an example, but as a substitute. Peter here uses the language of Isaiah 53 to talk about Jesus. The prophet there anticipated a leader who would come and he would restore God's people, he would renew all things by suffering on behalf of God's people for their sin. And So Peter says, Jesus suffered not just for general, the general injustice of the world, he suffered for you. He bore your sins in His body on the tree. He was broken so that you could be made whole. He was wounded so that you could be healed. He was lost so He could return you to the true and good shepherd. How could we not surrender to a love like that? God taking on Flesh to suffer for us. How could we not surrender to a love like that? We will learn the life of of submission when we learn to submit to the shepherd, the one who will raise us, the one who will vindicate us, the one who leads us To life. Which is why Peter can say, be subject and live free, verse 16, at the same time. Be subject and live free. How is that possible? Because freedom isn't the absence of limits, it's the presence of belonging. Freedom is belonging to God, it is being returned to your true shepherd. And it is when you know, when you rest in your belonging to God, that you are able to live a life that glorifies Him. It is as you collapse into the arms of the true and good shepherd, that you will be able to live submissive in this way. you can give others honor and dignity not because of what you get out of it, but because of the inexhaustible honor and dignity that has been given to you through Jesus Christ. We don't honor to get honor. We honor because we have been honored. We don't serve in order to get wages. We serve because we have been served. Because Jesus came not just to be our example, He came to be our substitute. He came to bring us back to the shepherd, to allow us and enable us to live a life of confidence that we belong to that shepherd, that He is leading us to life. Even in these very difficult times. Situations. Uh, this past election cycle, uh, we got a, a political mailing in, in our mailbox, and I know some of you got this mailing as well. It was kind of a get-out-the-vote campaign. And, and on this mailing, it listed our name, first and last name, and the names of our na- nearest neighbors. And then it had columns for the past few elections, and it showed who had and who hadn't voted. In the past few elections. What is that? That is participation motivated by shame. Right? It is trying to get you to do something. By shaming you. Or threatening you with shame. And that's kind of a brazen opportunity. But that's so much of how human relationships. And human culture work. Can you see. How beautifully opposite. Peter's message is. Peter calls us. To this life of glorifying God. A life of serving others. Even when we are not served in return. A life of of being beneficial to others. Even when we don't receive benefit in return. Even when we receive pain in return. He calls us to that life. And how does He motivate it? Not with the threat of shame. But with the gift of honor. You will be able to follow Jesus as your example only when you are trusting him as your substitute. You will be able to live as a servant seeking the good of others, giving dignity to others only as you are trusting that Jesus has served and continues to serve So yes, feel the weight of Peter's call. It is a difficult one. The life he calls us to is difficult. It is humanly impossible. But would you also hear the honor that he gives to you? Would you hear him saying to you, Jesus bore your sins in his body on the tree? so that your life can take the shape of that tree. Let's pray.